Let's take our Bibles out this morning. And we're going to turn to Mark's Gospel once again. Mark chapter 4. And we'll be reading verses 21 through 34 this morning. Verses 21 through 34. Follow along with me as I read, and let us give heed to this reading, for this is God's word to us. He says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we we thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, as, as Jesus did, that you would explain these things to us. We pray that your spirit would illumine our understanding this morning. May we learn what you have for us in these parables, O God. And may we rejoice in the truths that they teach. We pray that you'd bless the one who preaches. Bless us who hear, O God. And may we glorify you in the hearing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we come this morning to verse 21 of Mark's Gospel, remember that we are coming right off from last week. If you remember Jesus giving to us the first, the longest the most well-known, and what Jesus describes really as the, the key to all of the rest of the parables. That is the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soil. And there he explained, just to get us a running start to where we're going to be this morning, he explained under the picture, the image of a man going out into his field and sowing seed, uh, the different results that the seed would have depending on the places where it landed, depending on the condition of the soil in which it landed. If a person hears but doesn't really listen, 
He does not in his heart receive the gospel. That gospel, that seed will not profit one bit. And Satan, like a ravenous bird, comes right along and snatches that seed up and devours it so that it does the hearer no good at all. There are others, Jesus said, who hear and do better than the first in that they listen and they are at least outwardly affected by the word. It strikes a certain chord with them. They can enjoy it. They they can um, enjoy having heard it. It says they immediately receive it with joy. But in these, on this ground, this stony ground, it does not take root. And because there is no root in the people, they, like the seed planted in that rocky soil... They produce no fruit because they have no root. There's no vitality there. There is no conversion there. There were others, Jesus said, who even better than those first two, they hear the word and they continue in it for a time. But in the end, these are more attracted to the world. Uh, And the things of the world, money and the deceitfulness of riches, all that it promises, he said, a, a lustful desire for other things. And in the end, those other things end up choking out the word. And so that again, in their case, it is unfruitful. But Jesus explained that there is good soil, soil that is prepared, we learn, by the Spirit himself. And the seed that falls on that soil takes root, Jesus said. And those that are represented by those in that soil, they hear the word and accept it. And in these, that word is united by faith in them through a work of the Spirit of God. And the seed takes root and necessarily then produces fruit in different amounts. But we, were, we learned that there is always fruit. And then at the end of all of that, there was the exhortation that Jesus gave. It's there in verse 9. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The parable then was illuminated, remember again from last time, by Jesus' explanation of the purpose of his teaching in parables. As he answered the disciples' questions along that very line, The parables are meant to explain, they are meant to reveal, but in those who do not hear, who do not hear properly, who will not hear, who will not hear properly, that is with faith, for them, we learn, and this was also part of the intention of God in using parables, the parables then do not reveal their treasure of truth to those people, but they leave the unfruitful hearer in an equally or increasingly darkened situation. And so following on the back of this master parable, the parable of the sower, Mark adds then a short little collection of four other parables, and those are going to be what we're going to look at this morning and what we read this morning. These are uh, perhaps collected from other times, 
and other teachings of Jesus. They appear in the other Gospels, but not in the same order, not necessarily connected. So Mark takes them and brings them together here to emphasize certain elements of the kingdom of God and to reiterate and really to reinforce the, the importance of the message of the parable of the sower. And here as well, we're going to see this morning, as in the parable of the sower, that the challenge is given to us this morning that if you have ears to hear, do that. Do just that. Hear. Hear these things. Hear them well. So that's our challenge this morning as we look at these four short parables of the kingdom of God, each of which reveal... Uh, and or reinforce something about the kingdom of God. We're going to see four of them. We can call them uh, the parable of the lamp, the parable of the measure, the parable of the soil, and the parable of the mustard seed. And I'm going to give you little subtitles for each of those as we go through. The first one uh, in verses 21 through 23, uh, we'll call the parable of the lamp, but we'll give this subtitle to it, uh, that it is the parable uh, concerning the current hiddenness and future revelation of the kingdom. Our text says this in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? We'll stop there. So the, the comparison here is pretty clear. And again, that's part of parables is to give that first a level of the story that is very understandable, very clear. Here he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? You know, when it's dark, when it is dark enough to need a lamp, Jesus says that you don't bring in a lamp, and the lamp that he's talking about here, the lamps that they used were little oil lamps that had a reservoir for the oil in it, and then a wick uh, stuck through a hole in the top of the container and into the oil and that was the lamp that they had. And Jesus is saying, you don't light that lamp, you don't bring it into a darkened room in order to illuminate the room, and then cover it with something. Or you don't turn the lamp on, or you don't light the lamp, and then put it underneath a bed or underneath a couch. But rather, when you light a lamp, you put it high so that it will light up the whole room. One of the things we're working on here in our, our new building is the, the lighting that is not great. It may have been better when the ceiling wasn't all wood, but it's not great. And so we may have not even noticed that we added some lights there on the fans. and We're working on some other things to, to make it lighter in here. But what if we put these new lights in and then we put tarps over them all? That would be pretty stupid. <laughs> Not very, not very uh, good way to light up the room. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You don't light a light and then cover it up. Very simple. But there's something interesting here. And if you want to talk about this more uh, during Sunday school, the more the details of it, we can. But verse 21, the, the actual Greek original version of this verse doesn't talk about a lamp which is brought. It says here is a lamp brought. The original doesn't say is a lamp brought. But it says is the lamp which has come. Is it put under 
a bed? Is it, is it covered up? So when you hear, the, hear it that way, with what, uh, what or who do you suppose Jesus is talking about in this parable? What or who is, would you think, the lamp who has come? I'll give you a hint. John tells us that the true light has come into the world. I would say that it's Jesus himself that he's talking about. He has come. And the revelation of the kingdom is what he brings. In fact, he is the revelation of the kingdom. But he has been coming and he has been bringing that that revelation. He's been revealing the kingdom. Uh, It has appeared. And it has appeared to be revealed, not to be hidden away. His purpose in coming was to reveal the kingdom. The prophet Isaiah refers to it this way as he prophesied Jesus' coming. He says, the people who walked in darkness, what? Have seen a great light. They've seen it. Mark said himself that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Revealing that. Proclaiming that. That's the message of Christ in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 of Mark's gospel. So he has come to reveal the kingdom. Now, we learned last time from Jesus that the parables, and we mentioned this a moment ago, that the parables that he uses in his teaching reveal and in some cases conceal the message, the spiritual truth that they contain. But it conceals that truth only in those who do not have ears to hear and those who will not hear. Those, verse 11, uh, refers to as those who are outside, who do not, according to Hebrews 4.2, who do not mix their hearing with faith. That's the difference. But the goal of the parables and the goal of Jesus' coming and Jesus' teaching is to reveal the kingdom of God, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And that's Jesus' point here. And not just that that is his purpose, but it is what is going to happen. And it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening more and more. You know, Jesus has come, and we're early in Mark's gospel here. Uh, so, So the light of the world has come, and so far he has been somewhat uh, concealed. And there's a purpose that Jesus had, remember, to stay that way to a certain degree. We've seen that already. We've seen the way that that Jesus has said in other places, not here in Mark yet, but my hour has not yet come. It's not time yet. And we have seen that he has given instructions to various people whom he has healed and said, don't tell people. Don't spread this around yet. It's not that time. There was a certain divine timetable to the ministry of Jesus according to which Jesus was going to be revealed. And oh, he's going to be revealed. He is to be revealed, and he will be. And Jesus mentions that here in this parable in verse 22. He says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. His kingdom is to be revealed. What is hidden is hidden only that it can then be revealed. 
whatever is secret is secret only that it can then come to light. And this happens as the kingdom of God and the king of that kingdom is gradually, progressively made clear. Think of the difference between the early chapter of, of, of the early chapters of Mark and the end of the New Testament, the different amount of light that we have as we read those things. So even in the later stages of Jesus' earthly ministry, who Jesus is and what he's come to do becomes more and more clearly known as it is unfolded more. It's not always understood correctly. It's not a full revelation of everything, but it is unfolding. It's beginning to show. That will become more evident in his death and resurrection where he is revealed to be who he says he is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The King whose kingdom is not of this world. And even a Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross will recognize this. When Jesus gives up his life and he'll say, truly this man was the Son of God. And then there's an there's a even bigger uh, revelation of this. Ultimately, finally, Jesus will be made manifest for who he is when he returns in all of his glory as the king and the ruler and the judge in the kingdom of God on that day when he returns as the judge of the living and the dead. When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, then everyone will know who he is. Then his, his kingdom and his person will be fully revealed. And that's starting even now in Mark's gospel. Jesus is saying here that his kingdom is breaking forth. The understanding of it is being made more and more manifest already. The light shines in darkness, John said. And the darkness has not and will not overcome it. And again, it comes to us this morning, the exhortation at the end of this, to hear, to accept, to believe all of that. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, there in verse 23. Jesus and his kingdom will continue to be revealed. You hear it as it is. And as he ends that short parable with with yet another appeal to hearing what is being said, he begins the next little parable with a similar command, which he carries on through that parable. And the second parable that we're going to see is the parable of the measure. And our subtitle for that will be the responsibility of faithful hearing. Now sometimes these first two are are put together by some commentators, but I think the subject matter is different enough, especially understanding that beginning part where Jesus is seen to be pointing at himself. I think this gives a different enough flavor and meaning to these two parables that it's worth looking at them separately. Verses 24 and 25, we read, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He said to them, he says to us this morning, 
Don't just hear. Don't just have ears to hear. But he says, pay attention to what you hear. There's the emphasis. Don't just hear it. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to what you hear this morning. Pay attention to what you hear every morning when we come in and when we open up God's word together. And here in this short little parable is really an application, really a reinforcement of what we learn from the parable of the sower, that it is so important, beloved, that we pay attention to God's word as we hear it. It's so important that we do. And why is that? Why is Jesus emphasizing here the importance of attentive hearing? Well, we heard the four types of hearers in the parable of the sower. And we should note that three of the four gained no benefit from their hearing. One didn't really hear it at all. One heard it, but didn't hear with the ears of faith, and so there was no root of faith. One heard it, but he heard the the siren call of other things more loudly, more persuasively, and he followed them. And only one then truly heard. Only one paid attention to what he heard, and consequently, only that one bore fruit. And what this parable is specifically teaching is that the way you hear God's word, the way you hear the proclamation of his word, affects how much understanding you'll be given in the future. And he uses two illustrations here. In verse 24 he says, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And there's two illustrations here. Both of them are taken from from Jewish wisdom sayings. The first is where Jesus says there, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. And then the second one is this statement that to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. It's the case of either increasing or diminishing returns. Attentive, close, faithful hearing will result in even more, uh, receiving even more. The measure that you use, and he may have, uh, Mark may have picked this up from the statement in the earlier parable that talks about a lamp being put under a basket. It's the same kind of a basket. It was used for measuring a grain. And here he says that the measure that you use, the bigger measure that you use to hear, the bigger the measure will be used in what is given to you, in understanding. If the word of God is taken in with richness and with faithful hearing, it will likewise result in a rich reception of its blessings and even more understanding. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. If we seek God's Word, if we seek the truth of God's Word, if we seek it diligently, if we seek it humbly, if we seek it faithfully, we'll receive from it. And the more you seek, Jesus is saying here, the more you will receive. The more diligently you seek it, the more you will find. If you're reading your Bible, if you're studying your Bible, if you're sitting in church on Sunday morning, engaged with the sermon, taking notes if that helps to to internalize what you're hearing, which is the case with most people, if you're mentally here, and not mentally checking the football scores or physically checking the football scores or your mind on the latest political scandal. If you're here, if you're attuned to what God is saying through the preaching of his word, if you're coming to God's revelation of himself and his word with a large measure, is the picture here, Jesus says you will receive with a large measure. You'll receive like the one in Luke's gospel who gives generously. Jesus said to the one who does that, he will receive pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a picture here. Beloved, let us learn from this parable that it is important. It's important that we hear, it's important what we hear, and it's important how we hear It's important that we hear. We must hear. We must pay attention. We must listen rather than not listen. We must listen carefully, not superficially. It's important what we hear. Going back to the parable of the sower, what was sown, what was heard in all of these different ways was the seed, and the seed was the Word of God. And that's what we must hear. That's what we must attune our minds to. We must do what we can to be engaged in receiving God's Word. We must place ourselves, we must place our families in a church where the Word of God is preached, where it is taught. We must saturate ourselves, that's a good picture, saturate ourselves with that same word during the week. We must make time for God's word so that we can hear it with a big measure, using a big basket. There are a lot of things that try to come in and and successfully come in and push the Word of God and the reading of the Word of God out to the periphery. If we spent half as much time in God's Word in a day as we do on our cell phones in a day, we would be titans of Scripture. We would be using a huge basket. In fact, let me up that just a little bit. If, if we spent half as much time in the whole week in God's Word as we do on our devices in a single day, we would be greatly enriched in our understanding 
of God's word. Talk about God's word. Read God's word. When you leave here, it's been the practice of of people in the church up until recent times, uh, more barren times such as these, but it was the practice in the church for families to discuss the sermon on the way home from church at the dinner table or in family devotions on Sunday evening. That too would be using a large measure and we could expect then to have even more given in understanding as a result. So it's important that we hear and it's important what we hear. It's also important how we hear. In Luke's record of this Parable Luke says, take care how you hear. Take care with what mindset we read and hear. Again, we need to hear and listen and read attentively and humbly and expectantly and faithfully. Let me add real quickly to that what our own Westminster Larger Catechism tells us when it asks the question, how is the word of God to be read. It says the Holy Scriptures are to be read with a high and reverent esteem of them, with a firm persuasion that they are the very Word of God and that He only can enable us to understand them, with the desire to know, believe, and obey the will of God revealed in them, with diligence and attention to the matter and scope of them, with meditation, application, self-denial, and prayer. That's how we should read our Bible. Not having it sit there while we're watching TV and glance at it and say, okay, I did my three verses today. And let us add to that this morning... We are to hear it with the knowledge that, as Jesus says, to the one who has, more will be given. If you are not reading your Bible, if you are not listening in the sermons on Sunday morning, your understanding of the word is going to suffer for it. And you shouldn't have any wonder that you don't understand the things of the kingdom. But Jesus says if you're Measuring with a large basket as you come to God's word, you'll receive with a large basket. The final two parables reveal to us great and wonderful things about the kingdom of God itself. The third parable is the parable of the seed or the parable of the growing seed with a subtitle, The Assurance of the Full Coming of the Kingdom. And Jesus introduces this parable, and by the way, Mark's the only one that records this parable. He uses one of the standard sort of parabolic introductions that lets us know that this is a parable. He says, the kingdom of God is as if, verse 26. Sometimes he says the kingdom of God is like. And what is it like? Well, look at verse 26 again. It is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe 
at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, you probably notice that this parable shares some similarities with that big parable of the sower that we looked at last week. A man scattering seed on the ground, uh, different seeds, there's one seed, there's different soils, uh, and fruit, grain here. But they're not talking about the same thing. In the parable of the sower, the seed is the word of God. Here it is that the kingdom of God, as if, he says, someone has sown seed. The whole process is in view here as a description of the kingdom of God, of a certain aspect or a certain truth about the kingdom of God. In the parable of the sower that we looked at last week, the soil is what is central in the parable. Here it is the mysterious power of the seed to produce a crop and how the kingdom of God is like that. Now, the story portion of this parable is, as always, very simple, very understandable. Though here, the very thing that is being described simply is that it is not understandable what happens. But basically, a farmer wants to harvest a crop, and so he sows seeds in order to harvest that crop. He sows the seeds, then what? Well, the text says, basically, he waits. Now, certainly, he'll watch out, he'll tend the ground, he'll be sure the soil is watered. But otherwise, as far as what's going on, as far as the growing that's happening, he's out of the loop at that point, as far as what's going on in the ground. And so he waits. He goes on with his life. Verse 27 says that he sleeps and rises night and day. Time goes on. He goes about his life. But in the ground... The, the beauty and the mystery of God's creation goes on. Verse 27 says, he knows not how. I don't know how. You don't know how. The sower plants. But verse 28 tells us that the earth produces by itself. The growth takes place of its own accord. Of course, according to how God has created it, And according to how he causes it to produce, Mark says first, or Jesus said first, the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And the man has no control over any of this, but he goes on, he sleeps, he rises, he watches, and then verse 29 says, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. That's the process, Mark's saying, Jesus is saying. And it repeats itself year after year. And he's saying it's a recognizable picture of what? What's the picture? Well, Jesus said at the beginning that this is a picture of the kingdom of God, an aspect of the kingdom of God. Like the farmer with his crop, we don't know all of the inner workings of how it all happens. But here's what we know. Here's what Jesus is teaching us. We know that sowing now equals reaping later, a harvest later. And so it is as it is in the physical world. Jesus is saying it's the same with the kingdom of God, which, remember, he has come to proclaim. 
Jesus is the one sowing the seeds of the kingdom. And God is giving the revelation of that kingdom through the preaching of Christ. Christ is building his church. And though we know some things about how that takes place, as we learn from the scripture, we, by all means, don't know everything. We don't know everything about the kingdom of God. We don't know inside even ourselves. We don't know how the Spirit takes the word, the teaching of the life and the death and the resurrection and the purpose of all of that, of Jesus Christ. We don't know how the Spirit takes those words, hitting someone's ear, and uses them to cause that person to be converted, to take away their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. How does he make it effective in a man's soul? We don't know. And why does that happen? Or why does, it, why does it happen not the first time a man hears the gospel? Why sometimes does it not happen until late in their life? They hear the same gospel for their whole lives. And finally, when they're old, the Holy Spirit makes it effective. How is that? Why is that? We don't know. And on a bigger scale, how does God decide and how does, how does he work his providence that there is a church here but not there. How does, how does it go that this country receives the, the gospel and, and churches fill it and, and Christianity fills it, but this country over here remains dark, falls under the influence of Islam or Buddhism or voodoo? We don't know how that works. But what we know, what Jesus is teaching us, is that like the farmer, if the seed is sown, the harvest will come. If the seed of the kingdom of God is sown here on the earth, the harvest of the kingdom will come. The coming of the king into the world with the birth and the ministry of Jesus is an assurance of the kingdom of God ultimately coming in its fullness. And as Jesus said, nothing will stop that. The gates of hell will not prevail against that happening. And we can rejoice, Christian. We can rest assured that all that God promises he will do, both for you personally and for his church collectively. At times that becomes hard to see. Sometimes the clouds seem to overshadow the kingdom. At times, the, the physical evidence of the growth of the kingdom can be pretty sparse. And we might even wonder, will the church even survive? Will there be a church a hundred years from now? Well, the good news, beloved, is that there will be. That the kingdom will spread, the kingdom will grow. As sure as harvest follows planting... Jesus is saying, the kingdom will continue to spread. The kingdom will come. That's the message of the third parable here. And finally, we come then to the the last of this little cluster of parables here that we have. And we end this morning with another one of those very well-known, maybe almost the most well-known other than the parable of the sower. And that's the parable of the mustard seed or what we could call a parable of the growth of the kingdom of God. 
Another parable directly related to the kingdom of God. Jesus begins it by saying, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? What comparison shall I make? What image shall I use? And this last parable, or the last parable, was about the means, the the assurance of growth. This one is about the extent of that growth. He says in verse 31, speaking of the kingdom of God, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Again, a very simple illustration which relates very simply to the kingdom of God. The mustard plant begins, of course, with a seed, with a very small seed. That's part of the point of the parable here. Now, of course, much hay has been made of the fact that Jesus says it is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, which botanists tell us is not the case. The black orchid seed is much smaller. But Jesus here isn't giving a botany lecture. He's using a common Jewish idiom in the context of a parable in an area of the world where the mustard seed was the smallest seed. So Christian, you don't need to jettison your doctrine of the infallibility of Scripture because of this point of the mustard seed. The point is that it is an extremely small beginning of a plant that becomes a very big plant. That's the point. It's almost unnoticeable at the beginning. One to two millimeters, the size of a mustard, the size of a mustard seed. Almost unnoticeable, but it'll grow to, to be a huge plant. Mustard trees could grow taller than 10 feet tall. And Jesus says, so is the kingdom of God. It starts small but it will grow to such a large degree. Think about it. It was beginning, the the spread, the coming of the kingdom of God here in the, the New Testament as the king has come, it's beginning with this man who's speaking, Jesus, right here, giving this parable from a human perspective, not very, not a very big beginning. One man, A carpenter, the son of a carpenter from a a no-account burg in northern Israel. An uneducated, unattractive, Isaiah tells us, itinerant teacher who even at the end of his life will have literally nothing other than the clothes on his back. With him, the beginning of the earthly manifestation of the kingdom of God begins. And Jesus likens this beginning, and more importantly, its growth to the mustard plant, which begins so small, but verse 32 says, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Again, it can grow over 10 feet tall. 
Birds can live in it. They can build nests in this, this plant that begins with such a small little seed. That's the point. From this one man, Jesus of Nazareth, he has set aside 12 men, 12 apostles. More were added, more, not more apostles, but more disciples were added Throughout the book of Acts, more people added to the kingdom of God. Acts 2.41 tells us that 3,000 were added in one day. The, kingdom, uh, manif- the manifest kingdom begins to grow, continues to grow, grow. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. Through the preaching of Paul, it spread to the known world, to Rome. And, as Jesus promised, to the ends of the earth. We'll jump forward to today, where according to one estimate, there are now 2.38 billion Christians in the world. Now, obviously, that number would be whittled down when we exclude sex and false representations of Christianity, but still the picture that Jesus gives is appropriate. The picture that he gives of the kingdom of God has shown itself to be manifestly true. And Jesus is continuing to build his kingdom, continuing to build his church. Through the sowing of that same incorruptible seed, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the church has become a spiritual refuge for people from almost every nation on the planet, like the birds who find refuge in the mustard bush. And it's still spreading. It's still growing. And still and always it is a refuge for those who have been made to know their sin and by God's grace look to Christ in true faith. Who again, by God's grace, have ears to hear and in fact hear the seed of the gospel. Who pay attention to what they hear and are by the mercy of God Grounded in the work of Christ, they are made part of the harvest which Christ is bringing into his storehouse. Sinners saved by grace, added to the kingdom of God. Are you among them this morning? If you have ears to hear, hear these things. And be assured that whoever does hear whoever does call on Christ will be received by him and will never be cast out, Jesus promised, but will receive full forgiveness of your sin, will be granted the righteousness that God demands, and so you will be accepted by God in Christ and granted a place in his glorious, revealed, growing kingdom. And to that, let us say, amen. Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for our place in it. We thank you for Christ who has secured our place in it. We thank you for the Spirit who has applied that salvation to us and actually brought us into the kingdom in those mysterious ways. We thank you, Father, that you have brought us into it. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to pay attention to what we hear. Help us to seek out your word. Help us to 
Lord, to enjoy, to bask in those truths that we find in your word. And may we saturate ourselves in it. As we hear it preached from week to week, may we be attentive. May we pay attention to what your spirit says through your word, through the preaching of that word, which is the ordained way that we hear of your word. And we pray, Father, that we would rejoice in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the King of your kingdom. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.